How not to be a menace to society while drinking your juice in Cracker Barrel? This week on Mail Call Mondays. I'm John McQuay with 8541 Tactical, and this week we are going to kind of continue our safety theme, but this week we're going to talk about how to be safe while carrying your firearm. Um, and what brings this up is we recently, uh, locally here, had an incident, and it seems like... Uh, We'll have a handful of these every year. It was a negligent discharge inside an occupied public space. Um, this is really bad for a number of reasons, but uh, first and foremost is the potential for death or serious injury to uninvolved parties. Uh, the second problem is it really makes all of us who carry guns look bad. And it gives anti-gunners another reason to stand up and say, ooh, these are a danger to society, so we shouldn't allow people to carry loaded guns. And I'm going to tell you, um, I work in law enforcement, and I can tell you that I have run into quite a few armed citizens who are much higher skilled than your entry-level police officer. Uh, so those arguments about gun safety that, oh, you know, you ought to leave it to the trained professionals, well, sometimes the trained professionals are not uh, getting the training or the practice that they really should have. But that is a completely different argument. Uh, for now, we're going to talk about this incident and why this was just a poor decision from the get-go. Now, I'm going to really probably irritate some people with this statement, but... The reality is most gun owners have little to no training whatsoever. Um, they get their uh, information from hopefully videos like this. If not videos like this, then they get their information from stuff they read on the internet or the guy at the gun store counter or the guy at the local range or their friend who is a shooter or gun expert that gives them their information. Uh, very little of it is actually professional accredited instructors um, who are training them. So we run into these issues. Even states that require mandatory training for their concealed carry licenses um, is really a fairly abbreviated training session. You punch a bunch of holes in paper and then out the door if you even have to shoot at all. Uh, here in Indiana, there is zero training required. You just fill out the paperwork, uh, pay your fee, uh, and they send you your permit, assuming that you have a clear background check. Um, I have varying different arguments on both sides of the fence. Um, I wish that we could really encourage gun owners, somebody that's going to carry a gun, to understand how uh, important it is to get training. Uh, really, you are carrying a tool that has the ability to take someone's life away. Uh, you're carrying a tool that has the ability to take your life away if it's used improperly. Uh, so I really don't understand why more people don't go out and actually get training. Uh, some of it's laziness, some of it's money, some of it's time. And the money and time is kind of one of the reasons why I shy away from mandatory training. Uh, because unfortunately, mandatory training becomes another way that a uh, not Second Amendment friendly uh, government body can try to limit who can own and carry firearms. Uh, because if we say, hey, that's great, you want to 
personal protection permit, you have to go take this training course. Oh, by the way, the course is going to be $1,000 and it's going to be a week long. Well, that would greatly limit who could actually go uh, get a personal protection permit. Uh, same thing with qualifications. Uh, it's possible to make a qualification stringent enough um, that um, elderly, uh, people with physical handicaps, that kind of thing, couldn't actually complete uh, qualification. So moving on from that, so here in Indiana, it requires no training whatsoever. There's no safety classes, no counseling, nothing to tell you, hey, this is how you should or shouldn't carry a gun. So occasionally we come across people that have no idea what they're doing and they're carrying a loaded firearm. Um, I can't say for certain if this was the case on this one because I did not uh, show up on scene. I am just reading reports and after action stuff. And of course, what our news media has put out. Um, but in this instance, a gentleman was carrying a Derringer off body in uh, some kind of man bag purse uh, type thing and uh, eating brunch in Cracker Barrel. And at some point he got up to leave and the gun was jostled from its bag, fell to the floor, uh, it discharged around. Uh, round apparently... Um, Fragments or pieces of the round struck another patron uh, and caused superficial injuries to the other patron. No one was killed. Uh, I'm sure everyone in the restaurant uh, was uh, scared uh, fairly significantly. And uh, it was obviously a huge embarrassment for the individual who did drop his gun. Now, uh, there are a couple things. First of all, I'll start off with saying, uh, if you drop a firearm, do not try to grab the firearm. Do not try to catch it. Uh, if you drop it, let it fall. Um, I had an incident at the range not too long ago. I was working with a Surefire Master Fire holster, and I was running this handgun in it. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, Surefire Master Fire holster clamps onto the light, and this is an XH35. And so it slides down, indexes in the holster, and then locks back, and the holster has a feature that locks around the light. Uh, well, it's a very large release button on the top, and because I was doing range work, uh, I had not engaged the external lock. There's a secondary lock on it that you flip to lock the handgun in so that the release button won't allow it to come out. Well, during the regular um, movement on the range, uh, the gun came disengaged and it fell out of the holster. I stopped, let it tumble, hit the ground, um, put a nice couple of rock nicks inside of the SRO, but um, I knew this handgun could take it and I knew this handgun is drop safe. Uh, it has several safeties in here. It has a safety on the actual trigger blade that prevents the trigger from being pulled unless you index the middle of it uh, with your trigger finger or unfortunately sometimes other debris. Uh, there is a firing pin block in here and the striker sits uh, almost completely at rest. It has just a little bit of spring tension on it uh, when the slide is forward, um, but when you press the trigger, um, you are pulling the striker the rest of the way back and dropping it. So even if all the other safeties were disengaged and the striker fell from its um, safe position, uh, it wouldn't have enough uh, momentum to actually strike the primer and light the primer. Uh, so this is a very safe weapon. 
Um, this is not a Glock. This is an aftermarket uh, custom version. Um, but if we switch over to an actual factory Glock, uh, these have been abused to the ends of the earth uh, to make sure that when you bang them around, they are fairly safe weapons. Um, in this instance, we're talking about a very interesting uh, single action uh, firing mechanism. Now, this particular Derringer, um, and I'm not familiar with all of the different variants of Derringers out there, uh, this one apparently only has a cross bolt hammer blocking or hammer locking safety. Uh, and in order to engage that, you have to pull the hammer to half cock and then you can engage the cross bolt safety. Uh, once that is engaged, it prevents the hammer from striking uh, the firing pin uh, and lighting the round. Uh, it is not, it was a modern Derringer, so it did not actually have a firing pin on the hammer. The hammer has to strike an intermediate firing pin uh, before it can hit the cartridge. Now, if all the safety mechanisms on this Derringer worked the way they were supposed to, this incident should not have happened. If the hammer was at half cock uh, with the cross bolt in there, neither actuating the trigger nor a blow to the back of the hammer uh, should have ignited around. So uh, something happened, either that hammer got pulled fully back and the safety got disengaged or, um, I don't know. I, I really don't know anything else that could have caused this uh, if all the other um, safety mechanisms were functioning. Now again, this Derringer does not have a firing pin actually on the hammer. Now if we pick up a classic revolver that I have here, uh, this is a Colt Police Positive in 32 caliber. Uh, this is a very old uh, police service weapon. Um, this one has been modified to be a police backup gun. Uh, it is obviously not in service anymore, but it is really, really a cool uh, piece of history. And this actually was uh, my grandfather's gun. I got it after he passed. Uh, so the barrel was cut and the front sight uh, was replaced uh, closer to the frame, obviously. And it's really a nifty little pocket gun. Now, I would never carry this now because uh, there are just too many better options that I have to bet my life on. And I don't necessarily like uh, the 32 caliber round as a defensive round. Uh, but I brought it out here because one thing I wanted to show you on this, this is a double action revolver. Um, when I pull the hammer back, there is actually a firing pin on the hammer itself. Uh, so it is right here. There's no intermediate uh, to this. Now there is an interesting extra layer safety on the police positive here in that um, the hammer can't get, or the firing pin can't get close enough to touch the round unless the trigger is held all the way to the rear. Uh, the internal linkage in here prevents that. Uh, so even if something were to fail in the handgun, unless the trigger is held to the rear, that hammer can't go forward, and I can actually look through the cylinder gap here and see that in this condition it would have struck the round. But as soon as I release the trigger, the trigger goes forward, the hammer is pulled back, and the hammer is blocked from going forward enough to strike the round. So even if I drop this handgun on the hammer, uh, there is no way for that 
uh, firing pin to go forward and strike the primer. Uh, now when we come over here to a more modern version, uh, this is a Taurus 66, but this is a copy of a Smith & Wesson design made in Brazil. Uh, this is a 357 Magnum. I have shot this handgun quite a bit. Really fun handgun to fire, but if I pull the hammer back on this, you will notice uh, there's no firing pin on it. Uh, the firing pin is actually a floating firing pin in the frame here. And again, much like uh, the Colt, the hammer has to be pulled to the rear, or I'm sorry, the trigger has to be pulled to the rear uh, for the hammer to go forward far enough to actually strike the firing pin. Now on this one, when the hammer goes forward, it will strike the firing pin and the firing pin will stay there. But again, as soon as I release the trigger, the hammer pulls back and now again is locked in a rearward position. So even if it fell, um, the hammer would uh, not be able to go forward and strike the firing pin. Now, old single action revolvers like the uh, single action army, the Colt single action army, um, they have a pin on the hammer. And when the hammer was at rest, then the firing pin could actually rest on the back of a primer. Now, modern designs of the single action army or modern iterations of the single action army generally have a transfer bar uh, between them. So again, they've removed the firing pin from the hammer. Uh, it's housed in the frame. And so again, it's an added layer of safety uh, on those guns. Now, on an old single action army, uh, if it took a strike to the hammer, it could discharge the round that was underneath the hammer. Uh, now, that's why you will uh, hear about um, going off half cocked. Well, you could pull the hammer back uh, to that first click and that would lock it so that it was uh, one back and the firing pin wasn't actually touching the primer. Um, but again, um, that's where the term going off half cocked comes from because if the handgun was jarred heavily, uh, then the hammer could bounce off the half cock and again go forward. Uh, most of the time guys carried with an empty chamber underneath that hammer. So as soon as you cock the hammer, uh, it would rotate the cylinder so that you had a live round underneath the uh, hammer. Uh, so that's a little bit on uh, revolvers and on those firing mechanisms. Again, we talked about the Glock. Uh, most modern striker fire handguns have a number of safeties in there uh, to prevent the firing pin from going forward and striking the primer uh, unless the trigger is actually pulled all the way to the rear. I know somebody will throw the SIG P320 out there. The issue with the SIG P320, from my understanding, is um, the weight of the actual trigger mechanism itself uh, when the handgun struck at a specific angle, it simulated the trigger being pulled to the rear and would cause the handgun to fire uh, under very specific circumstances that were able to be recreated. And that's what caused the whole uh, recall uh, with SIG or the voluntary upgrade with SIG to fix that fire control component. So in this instance, I don't think there was a failing with the actual safety mechanisms on the Derringer itself. If they had worked the way they were intended to work, um, then a round really could not have been fired. I think what happened in this instance, because this gentleman was carrying uh, loose in a bag with no holster, I think there is the possibility at some point that that hammer got cocked and that that safety was disengaged. If indeed 
everything was set appropriately when he stowed the handgun away. And this condition, with the addition of the fact that Derringers do not have trigger guards, they have an exposed trigger, uh, now paved the way for when it hit the ground. I think it probably uh, either caught the trigger on something or when it struck, it jarred the firing mechanism and allowed the hammer to fall. Again, I don't know what brand Derringer it was. I'm using Derringer as a description for that pattern of handgun. Um, there are a number of different makers out there that make various different ones with slight little tweaks uh, from the original design. So there are a couple of things that we can get out of this. First of all, if you drop a handgun, let it fall. Uh, second of all, know your handgun, know how it functions, know what the safe manner is to carry it. Uh, and the biggest one for me is make sure uh, that there is something covering the trigger of your handgun. And this is for a couple of different reasons. Uh, when we get into little revolvers like this, uh, it used to be the style back in the day uh, to just take this guy and just stick it in your pocket. Um, I mean, it's fair. This shirt doesn't have pockets on it, that's why I was reaching there. Um, but it was fairly commonplace back in the day to uh, take a snub nose uh, 38 or 32 or what have you and just stick it in your pants pocket. Uh, if you didn't want it to print, sometimes guys would uh, wrap them in handkerchiefs, something, um, but just stick it in there and no big deal. Well, the problem with that. Uh, is you have the possibility to get things in the trigger mechanism and then when you need it, um, it's not there. Uh, the trigger will not actually function properly and uh, it's not going to be available to save your life. Uh, so that's my big thing with uh, covering the trigger. It's mainly to keep debris, keep things from intruding into that area. If you do do pocket carry, uh, you shouldn't have anything else in that pocket other than the actual firearm. Don't put any reloads, don't put any spare rounds, no change, no car keys, uh, only the handgun. And even then, uh, we have come so far in holster manufacturing now, you can very easily get a Kydex trigger guard uh, that goes across it, has a piece of 550 cord, you can pin that inside your pocket so when you pull the handgun out, it rips that free, or you can train ripping it free when you present the handgun, uh, and that will save you from getting anything in that trigger guard area. Uh, when we talk about handguns like the Glock, and again, this is my daily carry gun here, uh, Glocks should never be carried uh, without the trigger covered. Um, you really, really do not want to have that trigger exposed because the safety is the bar in the middle of the trigger. Uh, so we want that covered. We don't want to be able to access the trigger uh, while it's on our body. We want to have to actually clear the handgun from wherever you're storing it and present it before we can access the trigger. Um, if you are carrying a lower quality holster, uh, another one for that, if it has any straps, anything like that, you need to make sure that the straps cannot make their way through the trigger guard. There have been a number of negligent discharges with Glocks uh, because when the shooter was going to reholster somehow or another, a leather strap or uh, some of the nylon straps, whatever, made their way into the trigger guard. While you're holstering the gun, boom, off it would go. Um, so, Make sure that if you're carrying a holster, nothing can go through that trigger guard when you're reholstering. Uh, I prefer Kydex holsters with no snaps, no triggers. This is a new uh, T-Rex sidecar uh, that I just got in to replace my old one. So this one is formed for the Surefire XC1 that I'm now carrying. Now, it's 
Brings me to probably my last uh, point on this. Um, there are a lot of people that will see this and go, well, that's why I never carry it with a round in the chamber. And I'm sorry, that's stupid. Um, carrying a handgun, semi-automatic handgun, especially with no round in the chamber, um, it's just, it's absolutely, absolutely foolish. Uh, the people that I see that do this don't feel confident with their level of training and believe that that is an added safety. And what you have basically done is you've taken your gun out of the fight. Uh, because if your skill level is not high enough yet that you feel confident uh, being able to draw your handgun, point at a threat, and press the trigger without shooting yourself or someone else, um, then your skill level has not gotten to the point yet where you could draw your handgun, identify the threat, rack it, obtain a good firing grip, drive the handgun out, and fire before that threat has either shot you dead or is on top of you beating the snot out of you. Um, when we're dealing with um, US-based shootings, civilian shootings, close quarter shootings, they are very close and very fast. Uh, so the ability to draw chamber cartridge, come up and shoot uh, is a fairly refined skill that you're probably not gonna be able to execute under stress without inducing a malfunction into your handgun because instead of coming fully to the rear and releasing, on a calm firing line, I see a lot of shooters short stroke and induce a malfunction in their handgun. So now these people that do not feel comfortable in their skill level to carry with a round in the chamber are now telling me that under stress, uh, they have honed their craft so finely that that is gonna be an autonomous neural program that they can just stroke it, come up and shoot. Now, I can be fairly fast doing this, drawing, stroking it, and firing a shot one-handed at close quarter range, but it's stupid. I shouldn't have to do that. Um, I've done it before just to see, but the extra manipulations that you're doing to the handgun are completely and totally unneeded. Now, if you do carry with an empty chamber, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to make fun of you. Uh, what I will tell you, because I've had this discussion with a ton of different shooters, you need to increase your comfort level to the point uh, where you feel safe carrying a handgun with a round in the chamber. If you don't feel safe carrying a handgun with a round in the chamber, that handgun is a liability for you and the people that are around you. It is not an added measure of safety. Um, a lot of people are just, they're just hoping that pulling the handgun out uh, is going to be enough to end an encounter. And that may have been the case uh, ages past. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. Unfortunately, this is one that we can't approach with analytics um, because there are a lot of situations out there where presenting a handgun ends a uh, situation uh, without shots ever needing to be fired. And those obviously are not documented cases. A lot of them never go reported um, because why do you wanna invite trouble in your life uh, if you just solved a problem? So I really, really encourage you to make sure you get training. Make sure you feel comfortable with your carry sidearm. Make sure you know how it works. Carrying a secure method that you're not likely to dump it on the ground. 
carrying a method that you can deploy the handgun safely and quickly, carrying a method that you can re-secure, reholster the handgun quickly and safely. This is another issue I have with some of the forms of off-body carry and some of the forms of carry that I see is that, so say I've come into a situation where it's guns up, I think I'm going to have to shoot somebody. Well, now the situation has changed and I realize, ooh, this isn't a situation where I can shoot somebody, but for whatever reason, I need to go hands-on now. Now I need to stow this handgun because again, now if I can't shoot someone with it, this is a liability. Uh, I don't really want a handgun in my hand if I'm going to go hands-on and end up in a fistfight. Uh, and the reality of the situation is you can't just shoot somebody that's going to square off and throw blows with you. Um, that there's going to have to be a little bit uh, higher threat level uh, before that's going to be acceptable. So just things that I want you guys to think about. I get really, really tired of seeing these negligent discharges because they make us all look bad. Um, those of us that are out working hard to improve our craft, to be as safe as we can, to be as effective as we can with handguns, uh, all that can get wiped away um, by somebody crawling through the uh, tubes in McDonald's wearing a Phobos holster clipped to his sweatpants. Um, yes, I actually have made that call in the past. So, we have to do this stuff smart. If you see somebody, you got a friend that's doing stuff stupid, call them out on it um, because they can be the reason that laws get cracked down in your area. Um, they can be the reason that the next news story goes out about some goofball accidentally shooting some other person just going about their regular uh, daily routine. Uh, we really do not need that heat, especially now. Uh, we've never really needed it. We've never wanted it. Uh, I want to be able to go about my daily routine uh, with my handgun hidden, concealed. Nobody knows I've got it until I actually need to deploy it. And then I want to be as effective and fast as I possibly can be with it. So uh, that is my long-winded sermon. Uh, but guys, we need to stop these negligent discharges. Uh, so don't screw with your handgun while you're sitting in the parking lot at Walmart. Again, that was another one. Uh, guy shoots himself in the leg screwing with his handgun in the parking lot at Walmart. Um, we just, we really don't need this stuff. So carry smart, uh, carry effectively and make sure you can use your handgun. That's going to do it for this mail call Mondays. If you guys have any questions or comments over anything we've covered, drop it in the comment section down below or send it to us on Facebook or Twitter. If you guys like the video, please make sure you like, share, and subscribe, and click that little bell icon to be notified when we release new content. And if you want to help support the content that you know and love, please check us out over on Patreon. And until next time, get out and shoot.